0: A HOUSE BURNING by Matthew Kiefer What would you take? What would you leave? It's a large house. It's an old mansion. The old wing has collapsed. No one ventures there any more. The new wing that has been vacant for years. The servants' quarters crowded where we live now. Or used to, until the fire came through. We're adaptable creatures, ultimately, but to a point. You can't bring cattle into a desert. A bird does not fly through the ocean. "'Inside there is fire. Outside, what is there? Is there anything to adapt to? Have we even seen that world? Food. Clothing. Each other. We're staring at the fire, but we didn't know it would be dark. Outside the fire it is dark. Candlesticks, but no. It's too late to go back. Shelter, too. Something more than the overcrowded caves off in the distance. Shoes, perhaps. It is dark out.' We were used to a lot of things, a lot of conveniences we took for granted. Food, clothing, each other. We definitely took each other for granted. Especially when it grew dark, when the mood was right to tell stories in that dark, lying back propped up on a pillow, when I thought of the comfort that might come if you'd only cross over, come off your bed, into mine. But that is long ago. It is the fire now. It's what there is, what is left its thick lips and long tongues licking and biting what was once ours. It is hungry, it is always hungry. It is light, too, pain to our eyes, pain to see it flicker out and die in the coals. I am sure, I turn away, the fumes. When will the sun come out? The bureau, the fights, the dancing. There won't be dancing any more. That isn't true, that can't be true, but there is no floor to dance on, you know? Things we should have left, the money, our IDs. We know who we are, we know where we're from. We know what we've been through, trudgery, dragging feet through thick muck, the insults, the insinuations, the sneers, fingers wagging, heads wagging. We've heard it all and it's passed through us. Sometimes it's just easier to believe. Easier than seeing what's really going on. The fire, it has always been there. It started in the corner, that old wing. But no one ventures there. No one but ghosts, and mice, and flames. We were too busy keeping our heads down, telling ourselves the black smoke was harmless, trying to drag through the muck like a dance partner, listen to those shouted insults, pretending them music. And here we are, the fire. More of us are turning away now. It's out there, out in the pitch. Was the sun always like this? Faith, hope, ourselves... We failed individually, we are individual failures. They never mentioned history, bands of hunter-gatherers, families of farmers, a phalanx of soldiers. Failures together are even bigger failures, apparently. Each individual failing balled into more. They never mentioned that failure, balled into failure, balled into success. But they never had to say that. We just assumed the opposite. They let us assume. We can blame a lot on them. We can blame them, those haughty looks beaming down from those portraits. We can blame them, yes, for that old cigar that never quite put out in the old wing. We can blame and point and shout. Not that the dark would listen, or the flames either. But here we are, the last turned away from the fire, from the all-consuming, burnt in our eyes, burned in our hearts. A true heart never came from anything but ashes. There is that, at least— Do I know the answer? Do you? We don't either. But I do know a direction and a purpose. There is a pace. There is a lot to accomplish yet. Too much. But there's a joke, too. How do you eat an elephant? It's my mother's. One bite at a time. Perhaps that joke will last the first mile. Perhaps you will think of something next. Something mean. Something dirty. It doesn't matter. Something you. But there is a pace. And with that, hope and riches and fears and love, if there is time. Can you smell it? It is dark out, but already the air breathes cooler. Chipped by Tina Taco Every stoop on our street was chipped. The De Sicos up at twenty-three, the Ferreras at forty-seven directly across, the Sarubis down the other end, where our street met with Anderson Avenue, the window-boxes of its Victorian brownstones always purple, and tender, and moist. Our stoops had been chipped from stickball, and from drunks, from fathers especially Polly's from neighbors moving out in the night, and furniture being taken by tufts in overalls and plaid, who were only doing their jobs after all. Always two or three to a bunch, they would park their trucks on Anderson, walking their handcarts up then down again, loaded with ice boxes still cold, or a new bassinet so that a baby might have to sleep in a drawer that night, chipping our stoops as they dragged our stuff out and under the window boxes of Anderson Avenue. Hello there. Welcome to No Extra Words, the flash fiction podcast. My name is Chris Baker-Dirsch. I'm your producer and editor. There is a whole lot going on in today's episode and I almost find myself at a loss for words to talk about what you're hearing today, but I'm going to give it a go. This is our Thanksgiving episode in a way. It's being released the Wednesday before Thanksgiving in the United States. And when I first saw this date on the calendar, I wanted to do something that honored the idea of gratitude without going to a sickly, sweet, very saccharine holiday-ish place. We're doing some Christmas specials that are going to be a ton of fun, but they are going to be much lighter and much more holiday. And I didn't want to launch into that too soon. So my working title for this episode was Thankful With A Question Mark. I wanted to explore those moments of gratitude where gratitude is tough. And... Then I found myself recording this episode. At the time that I'm recording this, it's been less than a week since the happenings in Paris, and I don't know what life will look like by the time we get to Thanksgiving, but I'm willing to bet it will still be a very bittersweet moment for us as a global community, having been jarred by what's going on really around the world. And I think a house burning is absolutely perfect for this moment. I actually had a story I was going to share with you in my commentary around A House Burning when I first picked it about a friend of mine's experience celebrating Christmas after Hurricane Katrina in her house that no longer existed. But I think right now when we hear a story like this, when we're drawn to a much more immediate place, having seen and been through what we've just seen and been through. And I think a story like this that is really prose poetry, it's it's definitely a story, but it, it has a lot of poetic elements to it and is working on multiple levels, is really what we need as we try to figure out something that's really, really difficult to understand. And then we go into Tina Taco's Chipped, which is a story that is quite melancholy, but has this core of resiliency to it that I find amazing. You know, this despite what's happening in this neighborhood, these are still families that play stickball and bring home new babies, despite what's going on in their neighborhood, and despite the stark contrast between their neighborhood and the one just across the street. And as the events in Paris have descended into a conversation around refugees and displaced persons, it was really interesting. It was really, really fascinating to have chosen these stories months ago, and then start to record them. And be in this emotional place thinking about how they relate to right now. Crazy thought, what literature can really do and how many different meanings it can have. So I changed the title of this episode from Thankful with a Question Mark, which is still at the core, but I took a line right out of Matthew Kiefer's story, and it is, A true heart never came from anything more than ashes, which is a super long title, but it spoke to the resiliency of what these stories are about more than anything I could imagine. The second half of the episode is going to be a little bit different. It still falls under that heading of thankful with a question mark, and it still falls under the heading of resiliency, but it is more about the family relationships that I know are also a huge part of this holiday for many of us and are very complex and are things that we can simultaneously be grateful for and incredibly challenged by. Julie Christine Johnson's story is coming up next. It is Granny... Julie Christine Johnson and Tina Taco, by the way, are both double contributors to this show. Chipped is Tina's second story with us. Granny is Julie Christine Johnson's first, but she has another one coming to you after the first of the year. So I love the fact that both of these ladies are on the show today. Granny, I think, is a moment every single one of us can relate to about an elderly relative who's really not themselves anymore and trying so hard to relate to them. There's a line in there that is, you are grateful to have done your duty which I think speaks to the burden that this can really be. And then we're going to end on a lighter note. I was honored to receive a submission from Paul Beckman, who is a great flash fiction writer. And I never accept stories that are all in dialogue because they're really hard to record. I'm only one person. And so it's really hard to do the back and forth voices. But Paul is so talented that he pulls it off in a way that makes it possible for me to do it right. And it is a lighter note to end with, which I think is appropriate to this holiday the dialogue between a husband and a wife of 46 years about the craziness of being married and tolerating each other for that long. So it's a little bit of a lighter note to end on. But resiliency is the theme this week more than anything. I don't know how to comment on what's going on in the world, and you're going to hear this a little while after I'm recording it, so there could be a lot more that happens between now and then. But all I will say as we go into this holiday weekend is resiliency will get us through, If we stick together as a global community and hang on to each other, which is, as Matthew says in his story, something we take for granted a lot and probably the only thing we really have. I hope you guys have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Catch me on the Happiness Mama podcast talking about motherhood and creativity December 1st. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And I will see you all next week for the first of our Christmas cereal specials. I'm so enjoying putting these together, and I hope you will enjoy hearing them, and we will see you then. Granny, by Julie Christine Johnson Clara, the Dominican caregiver who works the swing shift, answers the phone. You haven't met her yet. You haven't been out to see Granny in over a year. But you have a pleasing vision of Clara, short and wide with a pink headband holding back her sensible bob and a pink cardigan stretched over the shelf of her bosom. Hello, Meester Smith. Your surname is Smith, but you prefer Clara's pronunciation. Here is Miss Adeline. You hear Granny Adeline, or rather, you sense her. For at first there is only gaping silence, then the sound of lips smacking. You picture a fish. Conversation is rare during your weekly calls. You hold forth for ten minutes, recounting the minutiae of your week. Granny grunts and burbles with pleasure at the sound of your voice. You like knowing you've done your duty. Today a gurgle and a stuttering of air erupts as her glottis strains. Just as you begin to speak, discernible syllables emerge from the other end. I remember, Granny Adeline trills. Oh, but that's the sad irony, isn't it? Granny's ninety-three-year-old brain, shriveled by dementia, remembers nothing. What do you remember, Granny? You play along. I remember that child's pretty golden hair. A lucid phrase breaks free from the mental disorder. My rose bushes. She giggles like the little girl she has become. Cold sweat breaks and you grip the receiver. You see Granny's turquoise bakelite phone crashing into her mouth, silencing her memories. But she speaks on. Someone is there, in my garden, digging up my rose bushes. What happened to that child? She isn't giggling anymore. You look at your watch. If you leave now, you can be at Granny's in an hour, long before Clara's shift ends. Meyer's Rebellion by Paul Beckman Try to understand the reason for my moving out, Meyer told his wife of 46 years. All you're taking with you is this box of books and some energy bars. That doesn't make sense, Dina said. Sure it does. I'll come home to eat, shower, and change clothes. And you expect me to continue to cook for you and wash your clothes? Why not? You've got to cook for yourself and do your own wash. Why exclude me? why are you excluding me? I'm not. I'll see you at mealtimes and for bathroom breaks, and you can occasionally visit me. And what about bad weather? You'll probably see me during bad weather also. I want to enjoy my time in the backyard tent reading and roughing it, but roughing it has its limits. So do I, Dina said.